Oil prices rose sharply over the weekend after more drama in the Red Sea and on signs of strong demand for oil from the US economy. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in part two of our bonus deep dive interview on the Euro's 25th anniversary this month, ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, looks at whether the euro can ever supplant the US dollar as the global reserve currency. I don't think at any time on the foreseeable future the euro can rival the dollar as the dominant reserve currency in the world. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, oil prices jumped nearly $3 a barrel over the weekend after Houthis rocketed a Russian oil tanker, raising fears that Russian and Chinese tankers would also be blocked. They've been getting a free pass until now. Also, there's renewed hope of strong oil demand from the world's largest economy, after data at the end of last week showed the US economy grew at an annual rate of 3.3% in the December quarter. That was faster than the 2% economists had expected. Currency markets have yet to open for the week, but the Aussie and Kiwi dollars are broadly unchanged at around 65.76 US cents for the Aussie and 60.90 cents for the Kiwi. And that's at five o'clock Sydney, Melbourne time. Number two, another reason for optimism on the oil demand front was news late last week of a bigger than expected cut in China's reserve requirement ratio, which could unleash nearly 150 billion US in new lending by China's state banks. Also, over the weekend, China's authorities announced they would limit short selling of stocks to bolster China's stock market. Remember, that slumped in recent weeks to near five-year lows. ANZ Group Chief Economist Richard Yetzinger sees China's growth slowdown as a natural adjustment. I don't view China as being in uh, at risk of any sort of crisis or anything like that, but certainly uh, we're going through a structural regime shift from a period of very fast growth, very fast investment, and the main policy task being to limit that growth and investment to something which is sustainable, and we're moving into a different regime where growth is much slower, investment growth is much slower, and the main policy task actually is sustaining growth at an acceptable rate. Number three, looking ahead, the big data release this week is Australia's CPI inflation figures on Wednesday which Richard says is likely to end any remaining talk of a very, very late rate hike by the RBA. We're almost certain to have an inflation number which suggests actually inflation is coming back to target perhaps a little bit more quickly. I think it will put the nail in any remaining expectations that that, that there's another rate hike to come in Australia. Number four. The other big event is the US Federal Reserve's Open Markets Committee decision on the most important interest rate in the world, the Fed funds rate. That's early on Thursday morning, Australia-New Zealand time. Data last Thursday on US GDP and last Friday on the Fed's preferred measure for inflation showed solid economic growth, but without too much inflation. The Fed has seen leaving the Fed's funds rate unchanged this week. The debate now is when do the cuts come? Here's Richard again on whether the US economy is running too hot or too cold. Inflation is continuing to come back towards the Fed's target of 2%. It's pretty Goldilocks. It will be keen to try and balance and moderate expectations appropriately so that when the easing does come, it doesn't necessarily deliver a new bull market in asset prices, which might actually cause the Fed some policy challenges. Number five, 
In South Korea, meanwhile, growth is expected to speed up this year from the 1.4% seen in 2023, largely because of improving net exports, particularly from South Korea's tech sector. Here's ANZ Asia economist Crystal Tan. The export sector, the export recovery is going to be centred on the semiconductor sector because South Korea is well positioned to leverage on the AI-related tailwinds. Crystal Tan there. Now, in part two of our bonus deep dive interview on the 25th anniversary of the euro this month, I asked ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, whether the euro can ever challenge the US dollar as the global reserve currency. It's grown significantly as a reserve currency. It's the second largest reserve currency in the world at the moment. But similar to not having a fiscal union in Europe, it's therefore very difficult to have a capital markets union because you've got different budget deficits, you've got different debt issuance programs across various different countries. So the European capital market is more segmented. I don't think at any time on the foreseeable future the euro can rival the dollar as the dominant reserve currency in the world. Nonetheless, it has performed well, and despite all the negativity, all the speculation against the currency, it's continued to hold its own as the second largest reserve currency globally. And just finally, I I thought I'd have a quick look at what the uh, Greek 10-year government bond yield was doing and compare it with a few others. Those people who haven't been watching the Greek 10-year government bond yield in the last 10 years or so might think that it's... uh, not the most attractive thing, but actually looking at it today, it is uh, currently yielding 3.26%. Uh, the British 10-year yield is at 3.88%. And the US 10-year is at 4.04%. Who would have thought back in between 2010 and 2015 that the Greek 10-year government bond yield would be significantly lower than the, the UK and the US 10-year government bond yields. Absolutely. Uh, indeed, when you look at across currencies that were under a lot of speculative attack during the European debt crisis between 2010 and 2015, most of the bond yields there are now exceptionally low. And in Ireland, which was under very heavy selling pressure at one point, uh, the 10-year yield in Ireland is now only about four basis points above where it is in Germany. So it's been a dramatic fiscal improvement across the euro area. And that tells you that investor confidence in European cohesion is very, very high. In fact, to look at another economy and bond market that was under huge pressure back then, the Spanish uh, bond market, uh, that had a 10-year issuance of 130 billion euros and had record subscriptions for it. So demand for European bonds very high, which tells you that the market is very confident that the European fiscal situation is sustainable. In fact, if you look at the aggregate debt level of the euro area and the euro area's budget deficit and compare that with the United States, it's significantly better, despite the fact that you do have pockets of very highly indebted countries. Brian Martin there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Monday, January the 29th. Head to tomorrow with a full preview of Australia's CPI figures on Wednesday. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.